how much can he do and I still say that he's a nice guy? Never heard of a lie. Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being until you pissed blood? Oh. start by saying with this last night when we watched our 40th 43rd we're over 40 now aren't we 41 or two we're deep into the 40s at this point and it's starting to show a little bit on me and although at the the big the end of the last episode you and i did when we last spoke and had correspondence with one another you pitched the film to me and i was vaguely interested in it and it sounded like it could be a pretty good time yesterday when i watched matchstick men from 2003 starring nicholas cage alongside the always brilliant sam rockwell directed by ridley scott which i didn't know until the opening credits started and was very surprised to see it was the hardest I've procrastinated before watching one of these, probably <laughs> in the history of us doing this show. I got excited for it. I uh, did a quiz with some friends before, had a good time. I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's maybe eight o'clock or so. Fantastic. I'll stick the film on. Got a nice, good version of it. Uh, I paid for it on the television, dimmed the lights, got the sound ready, got some snacks, got comfy. And then all of a sudden I found i felt a huge need to just take a shower and then you know take the bins out and then you know make a cup of tea and then drink a cup of tea and then clean the kitchen and then make another cup of tea and then do <laughs> some gardening and all of a sudden it had been about an hour and a half and i still hadn't started the film and that's the point i went oh, i could have watched it by now why didn't i just do that and it turns out i just didn't want to spend time with nick Oh mate, so I had a sim- I, I had a similar thing, but I approached it the opposite way. Where from from doing the the last cast, I, I I was very much not very well, and I was not looking forward to going into another one of these films. And I just, I think I started mine at like it was cl- closer to midday that I did mine just so I could get it out of the way. I just didn't want to f- know knowing that my my health is currently fluctuating. <laughs> I didn't want to get into one of those ruts later in the evening and then have to sit down and watch it. So I was like, I'm just going to get this done. And what a great move because <laughs> this film is incredible. Yeah, completely agreed. I enjoyed this the whole way through. This was completely gripping. Not at all what I expected. This was like another another wind talkers for me where I just went in with zero expectations. I know it had been recommended by a few people, but to be honest, I don't trust any of you, even my friends. <laughs> to give me any advice on 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 film i think i went in expecting one thing even that being said i don't know really what i was expecting but got something completely different and something like genuinely really touching and heartfelt yeah and exhilarating the whole way through i I really really enjoyed the film I've, i've got to say i wasn't as interested in cage's character in this until and this will bring us into a synopsis but until his daughter arrives yes and he starts to humanize it a bit it's a little bit um nick nick cage he he plays a guy called roy waller who's a very clear sufferer of ocd problems cheeky chappy always winking similar to what we've had nick do in the past i feel like he sometimes plays this a little bit slapstick he kind of plays it for laughs and i i just couldn't really couldn't quite enjoy it in in the way it wasn't really feeling like it was being portrayed in the way that the film should have been but as soon as his daughter gets involved and starts to humanize these elements and stops him from looking like this kind of crazed robot impression that he's doing i think that's when the film really picks up for me 
Yeah, I tend to agree. And it's it's obviously tricky ground to to tread around when you're you're playing someone that has uh that is an ocd sufferer and like hollywood has a weird treatment of that where they're just adamant that the only form of obsessive compulsive disorder is incessant cleaning and counting things in threes it's obviously that's less than one percent of cases i would say but that's probably the easiest to portray on screen it's just a very paint by numbers portrayal and i was terrified that this is what we were going to get for the whole film me too yeah and i i really thought this was just going to be one of these horrible like caricature you know how i said about how i how i thought for a lot of captain corelli's mandolin i couldn't deal with his accent because i wasn't quite sure if it was offensive or not yes that's how i felt about the acting at the beginning of this um not to all of a sudden just turn it on its head but the acting that it progresses into, I think, is some of his finest work. Yeah, this is. I'd probably go to far as far to say this was. I think just because I had no expectation, but I think this is the favorite film we've watched through this whole thing. Just completely took me by surprise, and I I thought it was. Great. I would say it, it's very close second to Wind Talkers as far as films that I've gone into not knowing about. If that makes sense. So there was there was a couple that I knew I was going to enjoy because I'd seen them uh, previous. As far as actual good films go, this is definitely in the top, easily in the top three, probably I'd say top two of what we've seen so far. And in terms of Nick Cage as well, we get so much of his range on display here. He's funny, he's crazy, he's taking on this, and it doesn't completely stick the landing, but he takes on playing someone that's an OCD sufferer. We see him as this really loving father. You know, he's playing a character that realises that he has a hole in his life and then his daughter comes into the picture... And that fills the hole and his life starts changing. And it was, uh, there were some really genuinely touching scenes there where you can see this man, all the pieces are falling into place of what he he wants out of life. And it's it's heartwarming. Uh, And the film takes many, well, definitely twists and turns along the way, which I guess we'll come round to a little later on. But why don't we set up uh, Roy Waller a little bit better uh, and talk a bit about him as a character and what he represents and what he does. Okay, so Roy Waller is uh, partnered with Frank Mercer, as brought to the screen by Sam Rockwell, as essentially con artists. And that's the whole premise of this film. We've we've seen Nick take these roles before. One thing we're starting to learn about Nick is that he does love a good con film. Yeah, and that's what I went into this thinking it was going to be, just another yeah. one. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be another Snake Eyes or another Deadfall, or you, you know what I mean? It's- I got kind of excited that at the prospect of it was a film about uh, a, a con artist and that's how he refers to himself not a crook a con artist a number of times through it he says that he doesn't take people's money they give it to him which i thought was a fun way of justifying it yeah i got very excited about the prospect of an ocd suffering con artist but i, I same as you i definitely made me tense up a bit thinking oh are they gonna just play this for laughs quite a lot and a hijinks is gonna go wrong the opening scene really sets him up to be very dysfunctional but then the scene immediately after it shows him to be very level-headed and a very proficient con man uh, working alongside his protege sam rockwell's character i did love that moment where every time he's like oh that was a good con and i was like oh my god it's a longer con and it just keeps going until it's just completely extorted this family out of all of this money which it isn't funny i don't know why i laugh but i i do enjoy it when someone gets uh gets done over i'm just a i'm a sucker for a con in a movie i i find it so satisfying i love it to see it coming into place and there's there's a brilliant sequence later on in the film after 
uh, Cage's character, Roy's daughter, Angela, gets brought into the into the picture. He has a conversation with a therapist, his his protege, uh, co-con man, Frank, as played by Sam Rockwell, sets him up with because he's like, you need some therapy here. You've run out of medication. You're falling apart. Our cons aren't working. He sets him up with this uh, therapist who asks Nick Cage's character about whether he's had uh, a girlfriend or a partner or anything like that. And he says, in the last five years, no, keep going. Ten years, keep going. He reveals that he last girlfriend he had was 15 years ago, but they ended up breaking up. Well, it sounds like, uh, sounds like Cage is a bit of a scumbag and left the relationship giving her a black eye after he found out she was pregnant. Yikes. Yeah, big fucking yikes there. Not great. I, w- I wish that wasn't there because there are so many really likeable moments with his character i know he's like a, the thing is though is like i i came into this thinking this is a really likable character and then it's like oh, ah, he's a woman beater oh he's a con man oh he's a crook uh, i at know one, at one point he's disposing of, of what he thinks is a body and then it's like, yeah what's good and then that's like how how much can he do and i still say that he's a nice guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it is, it's a difficult one. If you watch the film, he's obviously a scumbag. But, but it is the story kind of, of someone trying his to kind of little childish right wrongs, traits. Really, at its core. Yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't make up for it, but at least he... Well, well let's talk about people getting their comeuppance, because if there's one thing we love more than a con in a film, it's a long con in a film. Oh, my and, God. Oh, my God, this has a great one. This film has a big twist in it. Did you see it coming? When I realised how much of the film was left, I... I I knew, or I didn't know, but I was very much assuming Frank was going to turn on Roy. Didn't think it. I, I thought the daughter then might have something to do with it. But I didn't think it would go as far as like the therapist, and then like when the, the the police are involved and he's tied to the bed and he's handcuffed to the bed and all of this. It it just goes so far to make you think. That I was, it was entirely blindsided by the twist. <laughs> I I had no idea how much of the film was left, and I thought it was. Oh, I, I I paused it just when it like it felt like it was coming to a natural end, and I had to go get a drink. And I paused it. I was like, "There's like forty minutes left of this." Ah, like, see, yeah, Hayden's about to get conned. Here we go. <laughs> I was left clueless, and yeah, the the twist. I, I've said this before. I'm like not that perceptive a person, and I I am commonly caught off guard by twists in movies. But this one has a great one. Yeah, and it does such a good job of setting up cage's character where yeah at the beginning he's this woman beating scumbag con man and you could definitely argue it's him getting his comeuppance but equally i couldn't help but feel sorry for him because he was on the path to to becoming this better person and he, he thought he'd finally found the missing piece yeah how do how did you feel when it, the twist happened that's the thing there's that really yeah it was it was quite um harrowing to, to kind of see it and i think he plays it very well and he just has to accept it as much as he's been seeing this fake psychiatrist and he's been giving him these pills which are kind of um what, what what's the word when it's a the kind of fake pills a placebo effect yeah so they're giving these as like a placebo effect so they think that he's he thinks he's getting better yeah but he's actually not but that just doubles the heartbreak where you realize that all these hang-ups he had were in his head and the fact that he was he thought he was now going to be part of a family and he was looking to help like to adopt and get joint custody of his daughter that turns out to not be his daughter and all of that was making him well again and that was like oh man it's so cutting he loses everything what what i did love about it is after that reveal is he he just accepts it yeah there's no he's just like you know what 
Great con. Game recognized game. (laughs) It's just one of those moments of just like, Ben, I'm falling into the trap here, as I'm sure you might be aware, that I think we might be reviewing this film. So let's. I um... know. I was so worried about that before we started. (laughs) It's such a good film that I do really want to talk about it. But But um, it was such a good movie. Let's talk about it in, in the boring sense after we've recorded here because me and you can stay on for a little bit yeah Um, okay (laughs) i want to go straight in right now and ask you what you think the moral of this film is yikes um careful who you rumble with trust no one i think is unfortunately (laughs) careful who you rumble with (laughs) (laughs) i wish wish that was the tagline on the movie poster um yeah i think honestly the moral of the story unfortunately is trust no one because yeah he finally lets someone into his life and is betrayed and ends up becoming a carpet salesman oh yeah i know and that is some, some great irony there um yeah all, all i really took from this is carpet. this felt like a two-hour advert for not having kids <laughs> you, you always wonder in these things um because there's that moment where i think it's the psychiatrist who's just telling him about like looking after kids like you know this is why you know it's, it's, it's not that hard work you know you just have to make sure they eat their vegetables you know go to bed on time don't watch too much tv and there's this thing where he's kind of like weighing up the good and bad and there's obviously some high high points in this for for nick's character of having a daughter and then he loses everything oh. <laughs> So God. It, I was trying to weigh it up throughout this. It's just like, what's the moral here? It's because he clearly now realizes. I mean, at the end of the film, he finds out he's pregnant, so he's literally learned nothing. Yeah. It just. Yeah. I, I just. I just didn't understand that at the end. That's the real twist for anyone watching this who wants to spoiler. Is um, despite how many times Nick realizes that having a child has been a huge detriment to his life, he ends the film by having another baby. Yeah, of course, that is the final conclusion that the lady he's been flirting with at the grocery store this whole time. I think that's that's what's so kind of wholesome about this film about horrible people, because it does make you feel for them. And there's the growth in Nick's character where at the beginning, he's clearly got a thing for this this kind of of shop assistant that he keeps going to the same shop and making sure that he's going through her time, but he won't talk to her at all and the, the confidence he gains from thinking that he has a child without realizing it's a con it really changes him as a person and that this is what i mean about the growth of the character and it's really great and we're reviewing the film again and we need to move on to a round of quizzless cage <laughs> yes please <laughs> so instead of reviewing it let's see exactly how much of this film you paid attention to ben okay now, i want to know according to uh, angela's mother she gets one physical attribute from her father nick uh, Nick Cage, Roy Waller. I would like to know which attribute that would be. Her father's elbows. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah I remember that. It was, yeah, that stuck out. I'm glad. I I really watched this film. And I, I watched this probably harder than any because usually I take a few notes on my phone throughout it. So I've got some, some prompts for when we're recording. But um, I've already gone through every note I have because, in fact, my last note... I made was just good film should have taken more notes was enjoying it too much <laughs> my, my last note was capital letters he learned nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop having children I'd like to ask you for this round of Quizzless Cage Daniel what was Nick Cage's secret passcode oh come off it I'm just kidding I wrote it down because I thought you were going to ask me so I felt uh, <laughs> I felt like I should have it so I could uh, uh, school you and look like a big dog I no, I, I can't remember it. It was 543N7542. Come on, were you watching the film? No, apparently not. I'll go back and watch that again today. That's fine by <laughs> me. Um, I would like to ask you properly for this round of Quizzless Cage. What is, although we obviously never see the man do it on screen, what is the one thing that Roy eats? Uh, is it tuna? 
It's like he's got loads of cans of tuna. Yeah, that's right. Tuna fish. Just like our good friend Ricky Bates, all he manages to eat is tuna. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm looking forward to, and this is a good segue to bring it up. Yes. Looking forward to finding out uh, a little bit more about Ricky's eating habits when he is a guest on our podcast next week. Daniel and I are about to shift into <laughs> guest. Well, it was going to be guest week, but... I like you, you say that we're shifting into this guest week when really we are shifting the burden onto other people. Yes. <laughs> I've been messaging friends colleagues loved ones and everyone along the way that i think would get on board and i pulled no punches in saying to them we're over 40 days in and we need to leech off the energy and enthusiasm of our friends yeah that, i think that's completely fair i've i have been rekindling friendships because i just desperately want anyone to talk to other than you ben <laughs> <laughs> this should be a lot of fun we've got some we've got some fun people lined up um before we move further into that, yes, I've got one bonus question for you. Okay, uh, it's 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 not so much for points, but um, I would like to ask you: Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten until you piss blood, Ben? <laughs> Pissed blood. <laughs> Is this the greatest cage freakout? Purely because it's it actually has reason. It's out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere. It's so, but it it plays into the character traits so well, and you can really just like it. I've really loved that moment. I've seen it before, but I never in the context of the film. We are blessed with some terrific cage throughout this film, but he is showcasing all sorts of angles. Like we've known that the man is a powerful cage wielder, but over the years he's learned to reharness the power. And like I said, you know, from last time we saw him where he regained his powers, I think he's being a bit more careful with them now but he is frequently showcasing them there's a a fantastic getting ready montage which was very caged to me and just the ridiculous overacting he's doing to himself in the mirror trying on various pairs of glasses there's the brilliant moment where he pops his top shouting at someone in the pharmacy and threatens to <laughs> beat them on the sidewalk until they piss blood and then there's a, me- a moment immediately after that where <laughs> he says bullshit man yeah. <laughs> to someone that that bit was a bit much for me why yeah but i mean that's classic cage he had to throw in a voice and an accent at some point but there was so there is so much good cage on offer in this well, all the while he is being very restrained a lot of it whilst taking on this quite challenging role really impressed with the guy well you've just said the uh, you've just said the golden words there of classic cage and what i'd like to know ben do you <gasps> think that this is a cage classic um Yes, I do. Yeah, I I would completely agree with you. I do. It had, like I said, this was this was like a showcase. For better or for worse, he takes on this challenging role, and there are a few moments that do definitely make your shoulders rise up a little bit, and you get a little more nervous to see what's going to come out of his mouth next. Um, but I think it was very difficult. I think actually acting it must have been hard to have all these ticks that always come in threes that this character does. Uh, and to have yeah moments of stress and anxiety the character goes through and to to represent that well how, how do you think he might have gone into this character do you think he went full method for this how, how, how do you because oh, wow. i've got no knowledge on this one i couldn't find much about it there's not a ton out let, there. let's let's speculate how do you think the method man might have gotten into character for this one um, how could he have spent his uh his few months prior to the filming of this? i kind of dread to think to be honest because everything he does is in threes light switches opening and closing doors and National he treasure in various languages <laughs> alongside as he does it so i think he would have definitely integrated that into him i think he just lived as this character for a while to make it feel second nature a lot of the time Do you know what i think he might have done in order to to kind of make 
make it believable this kind of like a OCD kind of this uh, slightly kind of losing it kind of vibe what's that I think he tried to watch all of his films back to back one day at a time Ben (laughs) (laughs) a fate I would wish on no man or woman or child and I think that's what brings out the best of this character and Roy Waller as he kind of reintegrates himself back into society realising there's more to life than just Nick Cage (laughs) but speaking of Roy Waller there is one big question we are going to have to ask and that's how is he how would he fare in a straight up gloves off cage match against our good friend Acid Yellow (laughs) oh wow of course Acid Yellow is the current reigning champion I know he's finally beaten Memphis Reigns come in 60 seconds (laughs) shocking the the agility king Um, okay, let's uh, let's get straight into the heart of it and let's kick things off with a round of strength. Acid Yellow has a sword. Acid Yellow has a secluded sword. Um, and w- to be honest, Roy Waller somewhat physically is quite pathetic. He's got a secret gun. Yeah, he has got a gun, but that's it's not very strong to have a gun, is it? As far as his physical prowess goes, he doesn't really add anything. But I don't... Acid Yellow is also not... Like, he has a secret sword, and that is a plus. He also has henchmen, which possibly, you know, if he's going to the tag team route... I, th- I think the sword is easily a plus two, plus three, and I just don't think that there's even a plus one for Roy, unfortunately. Yeah, the sword is mightier than the pen. <laughs> mm. uh, that's one nil to Acid Yellow. <laughs> Next up, we're going to move into agility. Agility... Again, we we don't see... being a con man is fairly. I suppose, agile. yeah. I think that's uh, something I never saw about. There's that scene where he makes the swap for the money in the airport, and it's very smooth. The way he talks, the way he talks people out of doing things and like into doing things the way that he wants them to do. It's not necessarily agile, but I think that that's fair. Plus, the we've had it before is like police evasion and things like that. And I mean, he's a con man. Yeah, he's been a con man for 15 years. Good deception, good sleight of hand. I uh, I think that makes it a tight game. Yeah. One all. So let's move this into appearance. Oh, I mean, Acid Yellow's got yeah. the most bananas look. I mean, is sort of dressed as a banana. I'd say, I think we need to get this out of the way because Roy Waller, as kind of weirdly lovable as he is, is just a very generic looking cage at this point. He, he does have a lot of, there's like a getting ready montage and he has when a, he ha- Yeah, when he's trying the different glasses, it's very fun. An eclectic wardrobe. Like this is remnant of this sort of reminded me and does tie into the the timeline of the cage spiracy in the same way that in Honeymoon in Vegas, he has all his different disguises for being a private investigator. (laughs) He is almost the polar opposite of this where he is a con man, but with a myriad of disguises. It could almost be the same man on a different career path. You know, we said yesterday after watching Adaptation how I've I've never been a fan of films where one actor plays more than one role. Yes. Akin to like those kind of nutty professor and those horrible, horrible films. I would love to see that kind of thing happen with Cage, but between uh, the kind of storylines of Matchstick Men and Honeymoon in Vegas where we'd actually get... Um, mm. Who did he play in Honeymoon in Vegas? You remind me, it was Jack Singer. We could get Jack Singer investigating Roy Waller. Oh. And every now and then you just see behind his back just another cage with a big fake nose and a moustache, looking like a Guess Who character. Perhaps at the end of this project, <laughs> when we have the most context on Nick Cage, bar the man himself, <laughs> we could write a screenplay that in- involves every character he's played. Well, I'm hoping that's what we're going to get... Um, from his the, uh, that film that he's making, of course, yeah, the uh, 
overbearing weight of massive talent. That's the one, yeah. Unbelievable. I'm sorry, I think of massive talons, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we rarely see the man's feet. Who, who knows? Well, this is it. We know we know how much he loves birds. Maybe this is why. Let's. Uh, I think acid yellow. He takes appearance there. Yeah, yeah. almost no, no, certainly. No brainer. So this going to bring us into likability, which I feel. I feel Cage is only going to go one way because of the scene in this. So it's kind of all going to lie on this one. So likability. We have acid yellow. You want to talk us through that character a little bit? I went in the past and defended acid yellow the fact that he although he works in this slightly seedy environment he is giving back to his community he helps his friend in need without a second's hesitation and seems genuinely very pleased and supportive and uh happy to see his old friend like he, he didn't seem like a bad dude and the only point he kicks off is when his trust has been betrayed i think he is loyal to a fault and that's why he reacts in the way he does so i think although he uh is a very intimidating person to be around i think there is a likable element to him okay that's that's i think that's very well put because we've got two kind of similar things here where they're inherently written as bad characters but played as a good person so i mean how how would we possibly measure we've already gone on and said that roy has a checkered to say the least past where we know that he's uh struck a former partner he is a con man for many times he left his partner when he heard that she was pregnant I mean, it's not great i mean essentially 15 years he's thought that he's had uh, a child and never checked in yeah not not great you know what i mean there's a lot to not like about him but i kind of really like him yeah we catch the man on the screen in the crux of a pivotal point in his yeah. life and his development of him realizing the error of his ways and finding new love in this new what he believes is relative and like i say like i think the moment that really solidified how i felt about him was just how sorry I felt for him when he was betrayed and realised he had nothing. I, I really felt for the guy. Well, that's the thing. Like We can we can go about this two ways, and that's the, the turning over a new leaf, Roy Waller, or, and this is what I think I'm going to have to go with here, because we know how much Cage loves a backstory to a character and how much he would have gotten into the mindset of the backstory and everything. Mm -hmm. I think there's too much bad in the past to really, to really go on the record of saying that this is a likeable guy. I'm sure he is post-film but there's there's too much in the film and pre-film that really says i can't vouch for this guy over our sword bearing friend acid yellow i am fascinated to know with what backstory cage came up with for acid yellow i dread to think that would probably make me rethink <laughs> this entire bit but we don't have any context for that whereas we do get a little bit for this one and for that reason alone i think roy would have taken this on cage but it's gonna go before we get to there you, do you to think, acid yellow do you think roy would have taken it on cage don't get me wrong he, he does an amazing job of of really showcasing the range all throughout. Have you ever pissed blood, Ben? <laughs> it's probably the greatest line of his career. <laughs> and the way he delivers it I is know, terrific. It's so out of the blue. And that's, that's probably... Notice you're right, because Acid Yellow is so... The paint is laid on so thick with that character. It almost goes full circle. Like the snake eats his own tail, body and head during that sequence where it's... It's like Cage is trying to do a Cage impression, yes. and that just doesn't feel right. These Cage moments are best used when they kind of catch you off guard, not when a character comes in full Cage from the get-go. And I think that's why this was so effective. But yeah, I do think that Roy would have taken it on that, but unfortunately he has fallen short. Personally, Ben, 
and this is going to bring us on to talking about tomorrow. I, I, I don't think it matters because we're coming up against one of the absolute powerhouses of Nick Cage's acting career. So we're going to have Acid Yellow from the film Sunny, Nick's acting, uh, directing debut, taking on Benjamin Franklin Gates from National Treasure. Incredible. Daniel, I know that you've been very excited for this for a long time. You've done a great job getting me excited. My, uh, I woke up my partner in bed this morning by nudging her and saying, National Treasure. It's the day. To which she was equally as excited. So for people that haven't seen this, what, what were you thinking? Can you talk us through your backstory <laughs> with this film, Dan? Because you, you're clearly a big fan. You've gone in the past and said, like, everyone's seen this. You clearly think it's a beloved classic. I think last I saw this film was 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I've spoken to a, a lot of people and um, not many people seem to have seen this film. Uh, from the people I spoke to, I was just like, everyone was like, when we first started this project, it's like, oh, you know, the things you'd be excited for. And I was just like, well, National Treasure, one and two, obviously. And everyone was just like, oh, I've never watched them. Well, what? If there's one thing that we can instill into people from, from this experiment this endurance race, this highly publicised self-harm, <laughs> uh, is that you should all watch National Treasure if you haven't seen it, especially during lockdown. It's just a feel-good film. Oh, God, I didn't realise. And going going straight in from uh, off the back of the last ones, we're coming in at a whopping two hours 11. Wow. <laughs> and I promise you, it's, it's going to feel like 45 minutes, Ben. Wow, okay. This is, this is... You talk a big game. I already know this is the most enjoyable film that we've watched yet, and we haven't watched it yet. It's coming in. All right, I'm just going to give you a synopsis here. So described as an action, adventure and mystery from 2004, where a historian races to find the legendary Templar treasure before a team of mercenaries. A lot of people go on to make (laughs) big comparisons to the Indiana Jones franchise with this. Look, Uh, I'm looking forward to see how they stand up. You know how when we watched God in 60 Seconds and we said that that lays the groundwork, you know, that walks so that Vin Diesel can run. (laughs) beautifully and that's what harrison ford has done for nicholas cage here because this is fantastic we're going to be starting off our what's now turning into a season of guests tomorrow yeah i suppose you're right this uh so this is going to be a whole lot of fun we're going to have people joining us along the way to try and discover this national treasure and ben i would like to leave you with the tagline from this movie poster yes please in order to break the code one man will have to break all the rules. Oh, and I know full well who that man is. There was only ever one man for the job. From the producers of Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm genuinely excited to share this. So have you, quickly, have you seen this one? Because we've gone into this before thinking that you've seen other Cage classics and you just hadn't. You said you've seen this like 15 years ago. I have seen The National Treasure, but I believe I saw it maybe in the cinema, but it came out as maybe as many as 17 years ago at this point. This would have been 2004, so it's the year that I left school. Years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's... It really... That's not great. Sent you off on your own adventure. That's probably why I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> Simpler times. This was it's out in November in 2004, so I would have just have started college. You know, there's a lot of freedom involved in there. Yeah. And there's nothing... And of course, you studied archaeology and adventure, so perfect time. I, I was at that point uh, studying for an A-level in history. <laughs> wow, your kindred spirits. <laughs> exactly. You know, I just, I just discovered all this freedom and I'd go as far as to say that there is no more freedom than stealing the Declaration of Independence. Ah, oh, hot damn. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. You've talked it up for a long time. You've done a good job of getting me excited for it. And we're listen, we're, we're into the mid or so 40s here and you're still keeping me excited for this and I appreciate you doing that. 
I'm looking forward to watching, chatting about it with you uh, and our first of many guests. The one thing that I do worry about is that after this, I suppose we've got Lord of War coming up straight afterwards, but then we've got a real real rough ride that's where the roller coaster really sets off doesn't it that's when the roller coaster breaks and we all get flung off into the ocean (laughs) (laughs) i can't begin to tell you how uninterested i am in watching world trade center and things like the wicker man and obviously ghost rider and yeah i mean let's do a quick breakdown of what we have coming up this week we're recording this on a monday we've got a full stretch ahead of us Coming up next, we've got National Treasure, straight into Lord of War, straight into The Weatherman, which I don't know a ton about, if I'm honest. No, I don't know a thing about that. Off the back of that, we've got a big, big old twist where we go for The Ant Bully. (laughs) This uh, this is going to be a win. I don't know who Cage is in that. I'm presuming a big ant. Straight off the back of the family feel-good animated comedy The Ant Bully, we go to World Trade Center before Cage then... once again decides to switch things up and play a role in The Wicker Man, a film I've never seen, but I'm very aware that it's one of the most ludicrous. That's in one year. In one year, his choices were to do The Ant Bully, World Trade Center, and The Wicker Man. That's all in the same year. Good Lord. That's all in 2006. I just don't understand. And there's one thing that we can take from this is that 2003, where he made Matchstick Men, is one of the first years that he's just done a one movie Per, per year and that shows because it's a great film same with her 2004 National Treasure but I know National Treasure is the highest paid movie he was ever in in which he got paid 20 million dollars I'm looking forward to bringing that up with our guests wow. to see if they feel like he earned it yeah uh, I think that's going to be quite fun to try and work out what he might have spent that on Ben let's let's not talk too much more about National Treasure I, yes. th- I think we close out here and get ready for the arrival of one of the greatest films of all time how do you think you're going to en- enjoy watching it you're going to get some food in you're going to get some drinks um, I've been making uh, a National Treasure drinking game ready for this one. Fantastic. I, I've, I've seen this film enough that I, I could do the episode on that right now. I've, I, I know the lines. I know what happens. <laughs> I, I, I'm just excited. I want to enjoy it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut loose on this one. Good for you, man. You've earned it, I'd say. Unlike me on on all of these other ones where I've either been drunk or hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, a pleasure as always. Yeah. Nick. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is this is a very good film. Thank you very much. Good stuff. And like we say every day on the show, despite all my rage, I'm still hanging out in the cage. Bye, everyone. Well, we really reviewed that film for a while. <laughs>